0: is the worst now over for America's banks. After a hurricane has passed there is a period of calm that can feel euphoric. Survival is no longer at stake. Then, once the relief fades, it is time to assess the damage. What destruction has been wrought? How difficult will it be to recover? The sequence will be familiar to anyone who has been paying attention to American banks this year. In the days that followed the sudden failure of Silicon Valley Bank, once the country's 16th largest lender, as well as two other banks, panic and fear ripped through the financial system. Now, though, the storm seems to have passed. Certainly, no lender has been imperiled since. Cue the relief. What of the wreckage? The extent can be hard to discern in the immediate aftermath but America's listed banks must, once a quarter, disclose their balance sheets and earnings, offering a 30,000-foot view of the mess. Results season, which began on April 14, when Citigroup, JPMorgan Chase, PNC Bank and Wells Fargo reported their first quarter results, will continue to be closely watched through to April 24. That is when First Republic, a bank in San Francisco which narrowly avoided failure in March, will belatedly disclose its results, having postponed its normal schedule in light of events. The panorama so far visible indicates that damage has not struck each part of the banking industry evenly. The easiest way to see this is to look at three measures, deposit bases, interest income and profits, at three differently-sized banks. The biggest, with $3.7 trillion in assets, is JPMorgan Chase, one of the largest regional banks, PNC, with $560 billion in assets, is next, Western Alliance Bancorp, an Arizona-based lender with a mere $70 billion in assets, completes the trio. On each measure, J.P. Morgan is doing well. Flight from other parts of the industry, as institutions and individuals moved to bigger and safer-seeming banks, resulted in deposit flock. Thus the bank's deposit base grew by 2% from the end of 2022. Although Jeremy Barnum, J.P. Morgan's chief financial officer, cautioned that he would not assume these deposits would stick because, by definition, they are somewhat flighty. The bank nonetheless now expects to earn a lot more interest income, the difference between what a bank pays for its funding and collects on its loans. At the end of last year, J.P. Morgan thought it would make $74 billion in interest income in 2023. The bank now thinks it will make some $81 billion. That is because it will have to pay less to retain deposits across the board. All this has helped increase profits at the firm to $12.6 billion, up by 15% on the previous quarter and 50% on the previous year. JP Morgan looks just as structurally sound, perhaps even more so, than it did before the storm arrived. Things are not quite as rosy at PNC, our mid-sized bank. The good news is that the firm's deposit base has held up, it was $435 billion on average in the final quarter of 2022 and ended the first quarter of 2023 at $437 billion. The bad news is that the firm is paying more for these deposits. At the end of last year, PNC customers held around 31% of their deposits in non interest bearing accounts, and PNC paid around 1.07% on the 69% of deposits that did earn interest. Now customers hold just 28% of deposits in non interest bearing accounts, and PNC paid an average of 1.66% on the rest during the quarter. Although increases in the interest PNC is paid on its loans has numbed the pain, the bank's net interest income still dropped from $3.7 billion to $3.6 billion. The institution is clearly being cautious, it grew its loan book by just 1% in the first quarter and this caution meant it also set aside less for loan losses than it did in the final quarter of last year. The overall result is that profits ticked up just a little in the first quarter. Next, consider Western Alliance, the puniest of the three banks. Here the damage is most evident. Western Alliance lost some 11% of its deposits in the first quarter of the year, although the bank's management pointed out that deposits bottomed out on March 20 and have since climbed. As deposits are a low-cost source of funding, this pushed up the bank's interest expense by almost 50 percent, from $250 million in the fourth quarter of 2022 to $360 million in the first quarter of 2023. Again the impact was dampened by rising interest on loans, which climbed by 10 percent on the quarter. Thus the institution's net interest income only dipped 5 percent compared with the previous quarter. The clearest evidence of damage is in its profit figures, however. As Western Alliance shrank, it sold off parts of its balance sheet, including loans and securities. This resulted in $110 million of losses in the first quarter. Profits fell to $142 million, down by half compared with the previous quarter. The firm is now planning to build up capital. These metrics do not paint a picture of an institution near collapse. The clearest proof of impending peril for a bank would be evidence that it has lost so much of its funding, its deposits, that it needs to fire sell vast quantities of assets even at the cost of enormous outright losses. An alternative harbinger of doom would be if a bank's funding costs have climbed by so much that its net interest income is wiped out, indicating that it will struggle to make profits in future and maintain its capital levels. None of this is yet evident at the Arizona-based lender. Sweat the small stuff. For the moment, investors seem to be soothed by the facts laid out by Western Alliance. The financial institution's shares rallied by 24% on April 19, although they are still down by a third in the year to date. Its net interest income fell in the first quarter, but is still well above where it was when interest rates were at zero in 2021. Now that the bank has pruned its balance sheet and is starting to build capital, it could even end up in better shape than it was during the era of low rates. It is nonetheless likely that other banks yet to report, including First Republic, have suffered more. It is also possible that the full extent of the damage might not have been revealed. Most banks report a quarterly average for their net interest margins, not an end-of-quarter figure, which will mask recent events. Funding costs may have spiraled more than is apparent. Living through a storm can be a scary experience, making it through one intact is reassuring. But not all banks have made it through just yet. Reuse this content. The Economist today. Handpicked stories in your inbox. A daily newsletter with the best of our journalism. More from finance and economics. How to explain the puzzle of the world economy. Welcome to the Mona Lisa Effect. Where did woke ideas start to spread? A new paper suggests the phenomenon may be global, not American.